0: Hello, my name is Jason Tackett, and I'm wanting to share with you all today something that I've been working on for the last probably seven, eight years. Um, Maybe even longer than that. It's something as I was sitting around one day in a training for work, I began to think of my own mortality um thinking of my children who follow me and look at me. And I began to realize that I probably will not be leaving them much by way of material things. And my desire was to leave with them my faith. And this study that I'm wanting to present to you is is something I've I've written, I've presented to churches, I've I've uh I've, I've preached it, I've taught it for the last several years. Um, but I was wanting to come back and try to present it in, in the way that I, want, I desire to do so. My desire is, is, if I die, that all that I have struggled with in my faith... Could be accessible and there for my children to learn from. And so this is going to be like apologetics. Um, and that that has been my passion since I was saved. Uh, ever since I f- was first given a book from Francis Schaeffer back in over 20 years ago now. Um, how Shall We Then Live? And it opened up my eyes that there were answers to these Questions that are thrown at us, and I've since uh, have been thrown into higher education and things of that nature, and have have weathered the attacks upon my faith. And it is that that I want to start passing down. So, with that being said, I want to kind of start on this this broad topic. Of truth. What is truth? And of course John chapter 14 and verse 6 tells us Jesus said I am the way the truth. Uh, Deuteronomy 32 4 tells us that God is a God of truth and Jesus Christ prayed to his father in John chapter 17 and he said As he prayed for us, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It is very important that we understand what truth is. And truth is is something that Christ would later tell us makes us free. And if we're going to talk about truth, the conversation must begin with the question... What is truth? That is what is real. It's the really real, someone might say, or the ultimate reality. This ontological I can't even speak <laughs> this ontological question, this ontological question. Or what I mean by ontology or ontological is that study of what is, that study of being. The ontological question of what is, what is real being, must come first. For we all assuredly know that there is something there, and there is something ultimately upon which everything is based upon and everything rests upon. To start with an epistemological question, and by epistemological or epistemology, I mean the study of how we know something. But to start with the epistemological question is wrong headed. To continuously ask, well, how do we know this and how do we know that? is wrong headed and it leads nowhere. We already know something is there. We already know there is a reality, and there is an ultimate reality. We may strive later about the best way to study it, but we all must admit that there is reality. There is truth. There is the really real, and it's that that we call truth. There is a reality upon which all other things Rely that it 's necessary that if it wasn 't there, all the supports of the reality around us would would fall With, without which nothing that we consider concrete or certain could ever be, and what the ultimate reality answers the what of ultimate reality answers the why of everything else. So once we know what is, what is the ultimate reality, we then know why it all is here. It is the thing that causes all things to be, to be the way they are, to move the way they do, and so on. There is something there And that is the most important thing for us to seek and to find. Therefore, when we're speaking of truth, it's that which undergirds all philosophy and all thought. All human reason begins with one's concept of what is true and what is real. One's concept of truth or reality is what ultimately informs all other areas of their life. A culture at large will have all aspects of life and law as the reflection of their concept of reality. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite preachers, famously told us that no individual or, or no nation for that matter has ever risen any higher than their view of God In other words, no one has ever risen any higher than their view of truth or their view of ultimate reality. When penning the Declaration of Independence, the drafters thereof began their famous document with their shared view of reality. We hold these truths to be self-evident, they said, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Their politics were informed by their metaphysics or their convictions about truth, about ultimate reality. Truth informs the other branches of reason. So what you believe about metaphysics informs what you believe about ethics or what is right and wrong or or aesthetics, what is beautiful. It is only in the face of the question of what is true that you can figure out what is good and that you can figure out what is beautiful. Therefore, everything about what you do, everything about what you say, expresses what you believe to be true. Pontius Pilate, he was the the Roman uh, governor that sentenced Jesus, When he was confronted with the concept of truth, when speaking to Jesus right before the resurrection, he asked the question, what is truth? And like most people, he asked the question only in a dismissive way and did not even wait around for an answer. Nevertheless, this is an important question to ponder. Metaphysics, as a category of human reasoning, deals with the true nature of all things, we are all in our consciences confronted with these objective realities. Those realities are tangible or things that we can, we, we, we can clearly experience or intangible or just like concepts in the mind. We live in such a world in which we have to balance our budgets <laughs> And I wish I didn't, I wish I was just free to pretend like I didn't have a budget, but there's a truth that confronts me week in and week out every time I try to figure out where my budget stands. But we live in such a world where we have to balance our budgets, we don't walk in front of moving trains. There are tangible things we experience with our senses, sights, and sounds, and smells, and things we hold in our hands. These things encompass everything in this entire universe, including the universe itself, space, time, and matter. Metaphysics also includes the nature of intangible realities experienced in our mind. Things like this, it includes like mathematics. (laughs) We can get into an argument about whether our numbers are real or not, but... But uh, there are definitely concepts that we have. There's emotional concepts like love, volitional or or matters of the will. To, uh, there, there's concepts like freedom. There's existential concepts like, like our our consciousness, the very thought that we're we're thinking and experiencing things. There is no aspect of existence or experience that does not belong to this question, what is truth, to this metaphysics that we're trying to look at. The term nature, when, when speaking of the nature of things, goes beyond the mere fact that things exist. Physics, or science, tells us what a thing is and describes, describes the length and Height and the dimensions of it, the way it functions and how it works. But science only exists on the bedrock of metaphysics. The question: what is truth? Metaphysics seeks to explain the nature of that thing, where it comes from, why is it here? The answer to these questions make up what we call the truth. Now, in Colossians chapter 1, which we'll look at here shortly, we have a statement of this matter of where it comes from and why it is here. And that's what we're looking for. We are seeking for the first cause, that is, the thing that caused everything to begin. The ground of existence, rather. But we're not just seeking for the first cause. We're we we're seeking for the final cause. The purpose for its existence. The purpose for why we exist. There's an ancient philosophical problem called the problem of the one and the many. And it's been argued throughout the history of philosophy. We're trying to find unity and diversity. We're... All, all these various particular things exist, those tangible things that we can see and touch, uh, those intangible things that we, we we think about and we grasp with our mind. There has to be a unified cause for all those things. They all don't have their own causes and on and on in to infinity past. There is a unified cause for all those things. They don't have distinct causes all their own that are unrelated to one another. Ultimately, we come to, I guess, a singularity. If if we were to talk about Big Bang cosmology as this point, this single point. And that's the ultimate goal of metaphysics, is to find that answer, that single answer. Uh, They may may call that in science today the theory of everything. Um, The ancient philosophers, they they talked about the, the term quintessence. You had all these essences, earth, wind, water, fire, the four essences, they said. And they wanted to know what binds them all together. And they called it whatever it was, whatever answer they had the quintessence. And science as a whole still searches for that answer, but so does philosophy, so does everything else. And and us, we that have a Bible, we've already known and have had it declared that there is a first and final cause, and it's, and it's in one place. And do you know most of the surmisings and and conclusions of science end up only describing tangible things? Things that the existence were, if you're looking at the Big Bang Theory, um, it explains how the physical universe got here, but it doesn't explain intangible things like... How did intelligent concepts come to be? How how did love come to be? And and uh, even if we were to get in things uh, like like uh, like uh, string theory and and quantum mechanics and things like that, they're only trying to describe the physical, and they're not trying to describe the the intangible realities and concepts, like like string theory, what, 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 what does it explain? And it's been, I had a conversation once with someone that says, that's gonna be the theory of everything. It's gonna explain why it all is, but it's not gonna explain why I love someone it's not going to explain uh why i make choices and decisions and why those decisions appear to be free decisions and why 2 plus 2 is 4 don't explain any of that well, what, did it, what what string theory explains is there's four there's four forces strong Uh, Nuclear force and weak nuclear force and electromagnetism and gravity and string theory is supposed to bind them all together and, and give one coherent answer for why those things exist, but it doesn't answer all the questions. But when we turn into our Bible, when we read about Jesus Christ in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16... It tells us, it says of Him that He created all things. And everything that was created was created by Him and for Him. In other words, He's the first cause and He's the final cause. He's what caused everything to begin and he's where everything is headed he is he is the question of where did we come from and he's the question he answers the question of why are we here that's what we say as Christians and believe as Christians to be ultimate truth Christ is the cause he is the cause of our existence. He's the reason for our existence. According to the book of Revelation, He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. As Paul said, He's Christ is all. Truth at its very base is something personal. Truth is something that we know. It involves us and the activity of our mind. It involves us as as thinking individuals. But it's more than that. Truth is not just personal. It's relation. Or it's relational, rather. It's something that is communicated to us. It's something that that we don't formulate ourselves; it's something that somehow has been communicated to us. These are basic assumptions of the scripture. In Proverbs chapter twenty-two, verse twenty-one, uh, and I quote from the King James here: He says that you might know the certainty, the certainty of the words of truth, that I might, that you might declare the words of truth. To them that send unto you. In other words, what that verse was saying is truth is certain, truth can be known, and truth can be communicated. Those are basic assumptions of the scripture. It is personal because it involves me as a subject, knowing something about an object. Truth. I am a subject. The pencil right here in my hand, it's an object. And the truth about the pencil involves me, the subject, knowing something about the object. Truth involves a knower and a thing that is known. Truth is knowing something that is in accordance with actual reality. It's relational, but it's propositional. I can speak about it. I can use truth statements like there is truth, truth can be known, truth can be communicated, God exists, Christ rose from the grave. I I can declare these truths in propositional way. Those true statements are either false or they're true. They either conform to reality or they do not. Take the statement, God exists. If that statement is true, then by my declaration of it, I have done something much more than just find the cold subject-object relationship. I have discovered something about reality. I have come to know something about God and truth. The personal relationship... The personal and relational nature of truth points us inevitably to this personal and relational God, which is proclaimed by Christianity. Any true apprehension or grasp or search of truth is a search for that source of truth, the real and personal God that is communicated to us. Uh, Paul, when he was on Athens Hill, uh, stated to those in Athens who were worshiping the ungoat none god, he said, says they happily feel after him, even though he's not far from every one of them. He said he was that we are in him, and in him we live and move and have our being. If truth involves a knower and a thing known, it involves a revealer. It, revol- it involves this source, this originator of knowledge. Truth involves a mind receiving information from another mind. All information needs an intelligent source. Uh, I mean, we, we if we found a message written in the sand, we would not assume that somehow natural random natural forces has created this message that says, I love you. We, we would know that one mind is communicating to another mind. So all intelligence, all information needs an intelligent originator. To deny the existence of God necessitates that we deny the existence of truth or that there is this source of truth. There is this giver of truth. Knowledge or truth includes a knower and a thing known and demands a giver of knowledge. That is why men like Isaac Newton considered when they were studying science and making scientific inquiries, inquiries that they were searching for God and even thinking God's thoughts after him. Knowledge is something communicated from one mind to another, and we, we know that intuitively. Even 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 scientists uh, know that fact intuitively because we're spending billions of dollars right now on tax money, pointing satellites in space and uh, and giving out messages with prime numbers, uh, seeking for intelligent life somewhere, and we believe that if we send these purposeful patterns of information and that answer and there's an answer with purposeful patterns of information that we can not only not only discover that aliens exist but 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 communicate with other minds if truth and knowledge do in fact exist and they do we know they do then it implies the existence of this personal and infinite God as well as the existence of our own minds. This is why all advocates of, against the existence of God ultimately uh, want to hide under the false shelter of, of relativity, that there is no truth. It is ridiculous to think that knowledge starts with us with me as an individual. And if one says that the basis of knowledge is my sense experience, then they destroy knowledge. One could no longer speak of art. They could no longer speak of history. They could no longer speak of philosophy or anything else for that matter. Even science relies on principles outside of my sense experience. I know stuff that I've never felt or touched. However, we know if one says that knowledge begins with logical principles that are grasped by our mind, then they cannot ever arrive at anything outside of us. We know that we do know things outside of ourselves. Knowledge goes back further than just my thoughts, or my experiences. It reaches back to one that made all things and made all things known by a revelation of himself. Knowledge begins with God. God is the giver of knowledge. When I touch or experience something, in this world i am touching something that is there because there is a god when i think about concepts in my minds when i think about ideas i am engaging in realities that exist because there is a god the whole of my life experience it's because of him the bible says in psalm 118 verse 24 this is the day which the Lord hath made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Knowledge begins with God. The Lord is the giver of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6 tells us, The Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The Bible elsewhere says, in Proverbs 1, seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We know, we can only know of, of something, the reality of something, because of His awesome presence. Well, that's the introduction to this idea. And I want to get into next time talking about First principles, where do we start to even talk about this idea of truth? I hope you receive something from God's Word, and I hope that ultimately Christ will be glorified through it all.